Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, obviously. I'd hint, uh, right here, and uh, we've got one hour to go on the Jeff Dean Show, whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com. I appreciate you tuning in. I know that you have a choice of where you spend your time getting your information in the mornings for sports, uh, your entertainment, opinions, whatever have you, and uh, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson every weekday from 7 to 9. Just a quick programming note, um, I will be off both Friday, this Friday and Monday, the following Monday. So it's like a four-day kind of weekend for me, even though it's not. I just won't be doing my radio show on this upcoming Friday, the 14th, and then the following Monday. Um, so just a little FYI there. So it'll be a, a little bit of a an early preview of the uh, of the playoff games in the NFL and then a little bit of a late recap of the playoff games on next Tuesday. Come, uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll talk Cardinal football with our Cardinals insider, Tyler Drake. He will join us at the usual time at 7.30. So we'll talk with him about the Cardinals' final game, but most importantly, their next game, the playoff game in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium against the Los Angeles Rams. A um, couple things of note here, just little news of note. Arizona State has postponed their Thursday night game, basketball game, men's basketball game against Utah because of COVID protocols. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to play the Saturday game either. They're probably going to decide today whether or not they're going to be able to play that Saturday game against Colorado. So Arizona will be seeing a well-rested Utah Utes team as they do not have to play until they play Arizona at McHale Center on Saturday. Once again, things happening (laughs) – that Arizona is out of Arizona's control that is affecting um, how Arizona plays. So, unfortunately there, uh, Utah will not be on the the extended road trip, just the shortened road trip. They'll just be making the trip to Tucson. Um, I don't, And Utah right now does not have any games to make up, so they're just going to be sitting, waiting uh, to play the Wildcats in Tucson on Saturday. Also, in Pac-12 football news, this came out just a few minutes ago. Ohio State has announced the hiring of Justin Fry um, as their new offensive line coach and associate head coach for offense just a few minutes ago. Justin Fry has previously spent the last four seasons on Chip Kelly's staff at UCLA. They spent the last three seasons as as their offensive coordinator and their offensive line coach. Um, They did not – Ohio State didn't renew – the, the previous uh, coach's contract who had been there for six years, uh, Greg Studrawa. And uh, so they've, you know, they needed to hire somebody. And they got themselves a pretty good coach. Justin Fry, uh, you know, took that, uh, took that program, especially with, you know, coaching the, the offensive line, uh, took that program under Chip Kelly and, and turned them into a really, really good run offense. Um, so that's, uh, that's, a big, that's a big loss for, you know, for UCLA especially because Chip Kelly's now going to go find somebody to coach the offensive line and be his new offensive coordinator. I mean, that's, that's a big loss for them. And Chip Kelly, look, I, I mentioned it yesterday, and I got a message from someone saying, hey, could you tell me more about the Chip Kelly situation? Chip Kelly's situation is this. His contract at UCLA right now has a buyout of $0. They, 
there was they, you had to wait until January the January ninth was the last day uh, his, his buyout was uh, was on the books essentially, and then uh, as of January tenth, his buyout went to zero. So if any team wants to hire him away, they don't have to pay anything for it. It's you know that's it's a it's a free and clear separation, which may invite teams to start interviewing Chip Kelly. And when I say teams, I mean teams from the NFL may look to start interviewing Chip Kelly for positions on their offensive staff, whether it's an offensive coordinator position, whether it's a passing game coordinator or quarterbacks coach or something to that effect. Uh, you know, there are there are plenty of teams out there looking at you, Chicago Bears, who could probably use some help from a guy like Chip Kelly. So it'll be interesting to see what UCLA's coaching staff looks like in a week or two because I do believe that Chip Kelly will start to get some interviews. At least uh, some people will start calling. Some NFL teams, I believe, will be calling um, and, and wanting to interview Chip Kelly for his position right now. Not that money is, is an issue, but it certainly helps that he doesn't have a $3.7 million buyout on his contract any longer. It's zero. So uh, that's very enticing as well. You're save a little save a little money if you're looking to hire a new coach to be your offensive coordinator or work with your quarterbacks. Speaking of the NFL and and teams looking for coaches, there's a few teams looking for GMs. Uh, As we talked yesterday, Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears, he got fired alongside of Matt Nagy, the the head coach. So the Bears looking for the the duo, right, The, the dynamic duo of GM and head coach, as are the Vikings. Rick Spielman, their former now former GM, was fired alongside Mike Zimmer yesterday. So the Vikings also looking for the dynamic duo of GM and head coach. Interestingly enough, two NFC North teams. It's just one of those situations like the Lions are going to continue to lion. That's just what the Detroit Lions do. But it's it's gotten a situation where like things are so good in Green Bay with LaFleur and with Rodgers. And even, even though I think he dropped the ball early on, uh, Goody Kunst, the, the, the GM there, I can't remember what his first name is. I, I know his last name is weird, but um, you know they he he has seemed to, to to pick up the ball a little bit. He's starting to to learn things and, and get a little bit better at his job. But it's causing teams in that uh, in that division to say we we got to start over. <laughs> so Bears and Vikings looking for the duo. The Giants not looking for a duo, even though they should be, because they did not fire Joe Judge, who's a complete clown show right now. To use his own words. Um, a complete clown show with the New York Giants. How he still has a job today is beyond me. Dave Gettleman, the general manager, yesterday retired, <laughs> retired or resigned or whatever you want to call it. I think it was, I think it was officially a retirement um, after four seasons as a general manager of the New York Giants. Basically like, you can't fire me because I quit situation. So the Giants looking for a new general manager and they've already started the process of looking, you know, for you know for some of those guys uh, as well. The Mike Sando, whom uh, I know from my time covering the the Cardinals here, and Mike did a great job. He was like the NFC West beat writer essentially for ESPN for many years. Now working for the Athletic, does a phenomenal job covering the NFL. Um, I know that that uh, Lewis Riddick was a guy who received some interviews. He was uh, he was interviewed. Let's see. I know the Jaguars and the Lions interviewed him. I, the Texans may have interviewed him as well. Um, yeah, he he was he was interviewed by the Texans as well. So 
uh, and I know the Niners uh, interviewed him several years ago for their job that eventually went to John Lynch. But Lewis Riddick is a guy who I think is going to get a job here at one of these three GM positions, whether it be Bears, Vikings, or Giants. He also interviewed with the Giants just a few years ago as well. So maybe a return to New York for Lewis Riddick, who has has earned himself a position as a general manager. He does a phenomenal job, um, and I think he's earned his his uh, his time there. He's and he played for some really good coaches um, in the NFL. He played for Washington and Philadelphia. He played for Andy Reid. Um, but uh, I, I think it's time for for Lewis Riddick to get a, to get a good look uh, as a GM. So those are the teams that are looking for GMs. Now there are other teams looking for coaches. We talked about the Bears, the Vikings, uh, the the Broncos who fired Vic Fangio over the weekend. They're looking for a new head coach. Not exactly sure what direction they're going to go, but um, you know, nonetheless, they they've definitely got to find somebody. Now there's. There's a litany of guys that they could go with, and I'm not even going to begin to pontificate of who those might be. We'll just kind of let the process play out. It's not a team that we cover here on the Jeff Dean Show, per se, so um, it's not like the Cardinals are looking for it where I need to get dig in and really find out some things. The Dolphins, who strangely fired Brian Flores, I immediately, as soon as, as, soon as the news came across, I said something must have happened. There must have been a disagreement between – Flores and management, you know, Flores never wanted Tua. He wanted Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Management wasn't going to get him Deshaun Watson. And Brian Flores was winning in spite of the, you know, the, the, the brass that was above him, allowing him to, you know, hire which players that he, that he needed to play with, essentially. Um, and, and, like, that, that just all kind of – that relationship broke down, and I'm pretty sure I know how that conversation went. So Brian Flores – now on the market looking for a job, I think he'll get picked up by another team immediately. I, I think he's going to start interviewing right away. Some team will snatch him up and uh, give him a shot and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're willing to listen. We, we feel like you've, you've earned uh, that respect. You've, you've won games. He's, what is he? He's 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick. 4-2 and two against Belichick. And that's the head coach of Miami. So, and I know, I know, one of those wins came last year. Or was it two of them? But did he win both games last year? I don't remember which it was. In in the you know the COVID year where Bill Belichick basically told his entire team take the year off. We're not going to worry about this this season. Um, I get it, but still to be four and two against Belichick as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, that says something. Now I don't know what the Raiders are going to do with their situation. I think Bisaccia, Rich Bisaccia, has earned that head coaching job. The players certainly like playing for him. They're in the playoffs. It's an unprecedented type of situation right there. Uh, I think he's earned that head coaching job. I hope that he is able to retain his inter- you know, retain his, his job there. They just knock the interim uh, portion of his title off and give him the head coaching job. The Jaguars, who are currently led by Daryl Bevel after the firing of uh, Urban Meyer, I feel like that team played really hard. Um, and I, I don't know if Bevel has earned the the head coaching job per se because obviously he didn't win a whole lot of games. But based on what you saw from them out of their final game over on Sunday over the weekend against Indianapolis, 
you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. You can you can discredit Indianapolis for crapping the bed, but you also have to give equal credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars for going out there and taking them. I mean, they they put it on Indianapolis. They really did. And it's also a team that beat Buffalo this year too. So let's not forget about that. Um, not sure if Daryl Bevel has earned the head coaching job, but he's certainly earned the interview at least, and we'll see what kind of happens there. David Culley at Houston with the Texans, there's another team that played extremely hard. He was able to find some kind of lightning in a bottle with rookie quarterback Davis Mills, who was firing on all cylinders in the final few games of the season. I was really impressed with how, you know, how much he had grown over the season. And I feel like David Culley has earned the head coaching job in Houston as well. I think the players like playing for him, and they showed improvement. They played hard, and he's able to coach the quarterback up. I, I, I think he's earned that job there. So there may be fewer teams than we think looking for head coaches. Now, there are a few teams here on my list that I think should be looking for a head coach and may change course here in the next week or so depending on what comes about the New York Giants I've already mentioned I think Joe Judge is a complete joke in New York that is the worst team in football when you watch them play they are the worst team in football they lost six games in a row the final six games of their season they lost by double digits that is I can't believe that guy still has a job can't believe it probably the reason why Gettleman retired you, well, you, you're not going to fire him? No, I'm out of here. I am not going to be held responsible for his mess any longer. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, Joe Judge, look, it's, it's obvious that the players don't like playing for him. It's all over social media. Like, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like it before where players are just, like, like on social media, like players that played for him and current players that are on that team are basically embarrassed to say that they played for that guy. And he continues to just say outlandish stuff. Like, he called, he literally called the Washington football program, the Washington football team, a clown show. And then went out and got beat by, what was it, four touchdowns over the weekend? And Ron Rivera was asked about it. And he was just like, I'm not going to comment on that. And, you know, made kind of a little quip about Joe Judge being a clown show himself. And he continues to lie about things. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, he comes up with these stories about specific players, the things that happen. He's like, oh, we did this, we did this. And players are like, that's not, that's, that's exactly not what happened. Like, that is complete opposite of what happened that year on that team. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's getting interesting there in New York. I still don't know how the guy has a job, but should have been fired yesterday. Maybe still will get fired if the Giants come to their senses. The Carolina Panthers, things are not good with Matt Rule right now. Now, if you've listened to my show, you know that I think Matt Rule is a good football coach. I really do. I think he's innovative. I think he's a good football coach. I think that maybe, and honestly, and and I don't want to put all of the blame on Matt Rule because the quarterbacks that he had on that football team this year, were it was was embarrassing. Like, you're going to run out there with Sam Darnold or Cam Newton. Those are two of the most inaccurate throwers of a football in the last two decades period. They're, they're terrible. So I'm not going to put it all on Matt Rule, but hey, uh, you chose to bring them in here, so it is kind of on you. I think Matt Rule's a, a fantastic football coach. I think that maybe, just maybe, 
he belongs at the collegiate level. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's certain guys that are cut out for the NFL that aren't cut out for college and vice versa. There are coaches who have exceeded, uh, you know, expectations at the NFL level that you look at them and you say, if they were to go to college right now, they would get crushed because they don't have that type of work ethic. They don't have that type of personality, whatever have you, uh, to, to, to succeed at the collegiate level. Matt Rule, I think, is the opposite. I think Matt Rule showed that he can succeed at the collegiate level. And, I mean, the jury's still out again. He's only in his second season, and he had horrible quarterbacks this year. And Christian McCaffrey has all of a sudden turned to glass. And the offensive line was a patchwork offensive line all year long. I'm just not – maybe another year with Matt Rule, but you've got a really impatient owner there in Carolina – um, who may be looking to change things up immediately. They didn't fire him yet, and it, it, it still could be coming, though. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, the Seattle Seahawks will be looking for a new head coach. I know old Petey, still there. They compete hard. They won seven games this year. At 70 years old, he's still got a lot of pep, but he is the eldest coach in football, and I'm not sure how much longer they can hang on to you know to everything that's going on there. Um, with Pete Carroll. Not, it's nothing that Pete Carroll has done wrong. I don't think Pete Carroll has lost the team. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think that maybe if you're, if you know, depending on what your decision is with, with Russell Wilson, and he, like, he's the linchpin here because he makes the most money of, of anyone in the league. He, he eats up more calorie, salary cap than any player in the NFL. It, he's really the linchpin there. What are you going to do with Russell Wilson? Do you trade him away? Are you going to keep him through the, through the remaining three years of his contract? Who's going to be the head coach for those remaining three years? Do you want to change it at the end of his tenure? I mean, it's there's a lot of decisions that need to be made in Seattle. And I'm not saying that they should be looking for a head coach, but they may want to start kicking the tires. Just saying. And again, like, not, like, not like Pete Carroll has lost the team. I don't think that. Some people are saying that he lost the team. I don't believe that. I just believe that the team is massively uh, you know, under-talented because they, they just don't have the money, the salary cap. And when Russell Wilson eats up $42 million of the salary cap, you don't have a whole lot to go out and spend on other players around him. So it makes things tough. makes things real tough. Now some college coaches that could be jumping. I have three guys, and I think these are the three guys that are the most obvious that could make the jump from the collegiate rankings to the pros. Jim Harbaugh has already been rumored to be in the discussion for a few of the jobs. We'll see kind of, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be Chicago because I think the next guy is going to be looked at heavily by Chicago. But I definitely could see the Miami Dolphins looking to bring in Jim Harbaugh. Uh, the Denver Broncos may look to bring in Jim Harbaugh, which would be interesting because he might hire Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that be interesting? So Jim Harbaugh, I think, is the natural choice. Look, he finally – got the bugaboo out. He was able to beat Ohio State, got the monkey off his back. They had a dominant performance. They went to the college football playoff. They were ranked outside the top 25 to begin the season. They were ranked inside the top 10 to end the season. They had a great showing. They lost two games this year. They did get dominated by, you know, by the eventual national champion. Not a whole lot to uh, to hang your head about there and a, a hell of a time to say, you know, thank you for everything, Michigan. I'm going to go back to the NFL and finish out my career there. Um, I think that Jim Harbaugh will be a head coach in the NFL in the 2022 season. 
Uh, another head coach in the college ranks that could be looking to jump, and I think that one team has been targeting him very, very heavily for quite some time, and that's Ryan Day, the current head coach at Ohio State. And I think the Chicago Bears have been looking at him and saying, hey, uh, we could really make this thing work here. we got Justin Fields here, whom you're familiar with. We're going to draft one of your wide receivers that you had on this year's team to come in and give him a, a, a good, legitimate freshman target, uh, rookie target, whatever, to, to throw the ball to this season. And I think there's a very, very real possibility Ryan Day makes that jump. Now, he's making a ton of money. I think what, he's making $7 million, I think, at Ohio State, $7.2 million or something like that at Ohio State right now. And he's got a massive buyout. But if the Chicago Bears want to be serious about winning with their new uh, rookie quarterback, their, their first-round pick, uh, Ryan Day is the choice. And finally, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell interviewed for the Detroit Lions job. He was offered the Detroit Lions job first before they offered it to Dan Campbell, no relation. Uh, Matt Campbell, of course, the head coach at Iowa State, but felt like he had unfinished business to do at Ohio, at Iowa State this year with Brock Purdy coming back for his uh, season, with Brees Hall coming back, and with their spectacular linebacker coming back, whose name escapes me right now. Um, felt like they had a good shot at heading into the college football playoff, winning the Big 12, getting a shot maybe in that Final Four. Obviously it didn't happen. They couldn't run the football this year. Brock Purdy, I felt, regressed a little bit in his decision-making this season, and things didn't work out so well for Matt Campbell and the Cyclones. But Matt Campbell was offered an NFL job just last year, and I think there's a good chance he gets offered an NFL job this year as well. And I also think that it would be behoove him to take that job. Maybe it's the Vikings job. Uh, maybe it's the Broncos job. Maybe it's the eventual New York Giants job. I don't know. But Matt Campbell is a he's a uh, a very very likable coach, um, and I think that I think that he will I think that he would do well in the NFL at the NFL level. Young guy, I think he would do well, and it would be good for an NFL team to you know to get a guy like that, inject some some energy into the league with a guy like Matt Campbell. So there's my thoughts on the NFL head coaching firings and hirings, and we'll keep a close eye on things as uh, news comes out, maybe uh, continuing news about some of these teams and some of these coaches that get hired and fired along the way. We'll keep you posted right here. Coming up next, the Phoenix Suns take their incredible NBA record so far this season into Toronto. What can they expect from the Raptors tonight? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the Suns coming off their embarrassing loss against the Miami Heat on Saturday night, getting blown out in front of the home crowd, 123 to 100. Um, just a, you know, Miami just came out on fire, couldn't miss. The Suns' defense had broken down in the corners. Miami attacked the corners and was able to shoot lights out. Tyler Hero, once again, was shooting the ball well from out there, and uh, the Suns took the L. Now they head up north of the border. They got a really long road trip ahead of them. They won't be back home until January 22nd when they take on the Pacers. So they're going to be gone for about a week and a half. Uh, on this little Eastern, you know, slash Eastern Conference, and then coming back around and through Texas before they come home for a uh, quick little weekend stand before heading back out on the road. So they play the Toronto Raptors uh, tonight in Toronto. Um, you know, always 
there's always some, you know, some complications, I guess, some, you know, some difficulties going north of the border during COVID. They're very strict there. You know, there's been some problems with some of the NBA teams getting players in and out, and they've had to finagle some things. But, you know, right now the Raptors are a pretty good basketball team. They're the seventh, uh, seventh seed in the East. You get 20 wins on the season. They're led by Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I don't. I didn't really see that happening. He's averaging like what 20. He's averaging like a 23, seven and five or something like that this year. He's having a great year. Um, so the Suns tied for the best record in the NBA, heading up to the Raptors. And the Raptors are going to be without a couple of starters tonight, as it's being reported that uh, the the uh, the staff writer for the Raptors says that Scotty Barnes who is uh, dealing with a right knee, and Gary Trent, who's dealing with an ankle, are both questionable for tonight's game against the Suns. Um, Utah Watanabe, who has missed the last four games because of health and safety protocols, has been taken off of the injury report. But it'll be interesting, interesting to see if he actually plays tonight because of you know COVID conditioning and things like that. A lot of coaches are opting to, once they take a player off, they still give them the game off so that they can – depending on how much time they have in the practice uh, gym and stuff like that, uh, some time to bounce back, essentially. So the Raptors are going to be a little bit thin, but they're still very good. Fred Van Vliet, as I mentioned, you know, they're essentially their their lead guy. They still got uh, Pascal Siakam there who does you know, a great job of cleaning the glass and scoring. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they're, they're not a bad team. They're going to certainly lose, you know, miss a lot when they lose Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes. That's like 32 points a game. Uh, right there at about 11 rebounds a game as well. So they're going to miss quite a bit, um, and I expect the Suns to be able to bounce back and get this win on the road. The the Suns are going to be without Cam Johnson in the game. He's going to be out um, because of a sprained left ankle. However, it also sounds like the Suns are going to get back Landry Shamit tonight as well. So they could be replacing one three-point shooter for another. You know how much I love Cam Johnson. I love to watch him shoot. Uh, I love his energy. I love how hard he plays the game. Uh, and Landry Shamit has been a nice addition for the Suns. He's been a little bit streaky from time to time, but uh, nonetheless a, you know, a guy who can really shoot the three and likes to shoot the three. So, um, so that, that's good news for the Suns. You know, if you're going to lose a guy like Cam Johnson, at least Landry, Landry Shamit is able to come off of the, uh, off the COVID protocol list and hopefully be available for tonight. He's listed as probable for his return tonight. So, uh, we'll uh, we'll see <clears throat> we'll see what that looks like. But the Suns in action tonight. See if they can get that dub. And of course, we're watching DeAndre. See if he can get a double double tonight as uh, he continues to do extremely well. You know, there was there was this talk. You know, the, the the Suns had brought in. You know, while DeAndre was on COVID protocol, the health and safety protocol, they couldn't get the the positive test or the negative test from him. And so he had to stay on that protocol. So the Suns had to bring in a couple of different bigs on 10 days. They ended up, of course, bringing in Bismack Biombo and signing him to a deal. And there were some, there were some fans who were like, hey, you know, we, you know, we love this. We love the energy in this and that. And then it's like you watch the Suns on defense, and these guys just don't they, – they don't even hold a candle to what DeAndre has been doing the last year and a half defensively for the Phoenix Suns. And you watch how bad defensively they've been – and they were while DeAndre was out, and then now that you know now that he's coming back, now the the game against the, the Heat was an outlier. I, I don't that was a weird situation. He didn't play a whole lot, didn't play extremely well in that game. Looked like maybe conditioning was an issue for him coming back uh, with the shortness of breath and such. But I I expect him to fully be ready tonight, and I think the Suns 
are uh, poised and ready for a, a big defensive game against the Toronto Raptors. And it's 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 good to have DeAndre back. It's good to have that defense back, and we'll uh, we'll enjoy. We'll enjoy that tonight. And of course, if you want, you can listen to it right here on our airwaves as we are your Tucson home for the Phoenix Suns. That game, um, that game will. Let's see, what time is that game? Five o'clock. Five o'clock is when that game starts. So we'll we'll have that game in progress um, after Spears and Ali today, of course, on the air from three to six. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, more NFL news right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Just one more reason why the NFL continues to be king, and it continues to just entertain the masses and be the number one product in the world that it is. A lot of it has to do with postseason parody and the feeling that regardless of, you know, which team you back, unless you're a Lions fan, you're going to have a good shot at making the playoffs. Eventually at some, at some point your team is going to make it. The, 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 the statistics are just amazing. They're astounding because you don't get these in any other sport. The, there were four teams originally. Now there's seven, te- seven teams total, right, this year that clinched, that are in the playoffs, essentially, that weren't in the playoffs last year. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, since 1990, there has been a streak of 32 consecutive seasons where at least four teams qualified for the playoffs in every season that were not in the postseason the year prior. I'll say that again. 32 years in a row now. 32. Since 1990. Some of you weren't even alive then. The NFL has had at least a four-team turnover in the playoffs, where at least four of the teams that are in the playoffs that year did not make the playoffs last year. Now, most of the time that number was five or six because the NFL field consisted of 12 teams for the longest time the average was basically you could say that half of the teams that made the playoffs this year won't make the playoffs last year or next year it, it was it you would say it every every year the season ended like hey you know what the you know the of of the you know of the the 20 teams that didn't make it six are going to make it next year so keep your head up you know what i mean that we always we'd always talk about that and it's it's interesting now that the the league moved to the 14-team field in the second year of the 14-team field, 14 field, and for the second year in a row, seven new teams have made it into the playoffs, which is 50%. It's uncanny. Now, the teams who made it this year, they weren't in it last year, Bengals, Patriots, Raiders, Cowboys, 49ers, Cardinals, Eagles. Those are the new, those are the new teams. So, of the 18 teams that didn't make the playoffs in 2021, we will now say this. A third of them will most likely make the playoffs next year. That's at least six of the teams will make it next year. Which is is just remarkable to think about. Who are some of those teams? Okay, well, teams that didn't make it this year that were in last year. In the AFC, there were the Colts who, (laughs) oh boy, 
Got to figure something out at quarterback there because they got a great team around Carson Wentz. The Browns, they got quarterback issues because they got a great team around Baker Mayfield who continues to blame everybody else but himself. And then you got the Ravens who seem to have a bit of a problem at quarterback because Lamar Jackson, as dynamic as he is, Tyler Huntley was equally as good, if not better, in certain situations this season. And then in the NFC, the Saints, who need a quarterback, right? <laughs> got a great defense and uh, can run the football, got a good offensive line. They need a quarterback. The Seahawks have a quarterback. The problem is that's all they've got. Washington, whose defense was ridiculously disappointing this year. I thought they were going to be one of the best defenses in the league. Turned out not to be anywhere near that. They need a quarterback because Heineke's not going to be the guy. Fitzpatrick's not the guy. And the Bears kind of have a quarterback that played a little bit here and there, got hurt and stuff like that. They need plenty of pieces around him, but they're not terrible, right? The Bears aren't awful. So what's the common denominator here? Teams that need quarterbacks. Look at the teams that are in it this year. The Bengals. Joe Burrow, breakout season. Obviously had some help from Jamar Chase, who will be the offensive rookie of the year. But they've got their quarterback situation figured out. Joe Burrow's the guy. He's the man. Patriots had Mac Jones this year. Was remarkable as a, you know, as, as a rookie this year. Maybe he's the offensive rookie of the year. I don't know. There were was, there was several good ones this year. Mac Jones certainly... In, in the in the discussion for that top two top three, the Raiders Derek Carr gets his first crack at the playoffs, and I think uh, I've been a Derek Carr fan for quite some time. I felt like he has been languished with a bad team um, for for quite some time, and and now has finally got some targets to throw the football to, and he's shown this year that that he can be quite good. Cowboys got their quarterback situation figured out. They finally got the defense figured out. They're definitely in. 49ers, as, say what you will about Jimmy Garoppolo, and 49ers fans do, that guy's clutch. When it, when it's, if the 49ers are down and it's a two-minute drill, they're going to score. It, that's just what he does. He's going to save the best for last. I wish he wouldn't do that, but nonetheless. Cardinals are in, despite you know the head coach making bonehead mistakes and despite the defense going in the tank in the last five or six games of the season, but they've obviously got their quarterback figured out. And the Eagles, even though they don't have their quarterback figured out, Jalen Hurts played extremely well this year. Nick Sirianni was able to find a way and a a magic elixir to win games with the best rushing attack in the NFL this year, and Jalen Hurts didn't kill them. So, look, it's all about having the quarterback situation figured out in the NFL. Those teams who didn't make it this year don't have their quarterback situation figured out. Well, one of them does, but they figured it out too much. They gave him $44 million um, a season, and it's, it's killing every, every other position on the field. Everybody else needs quarterbacks. Everybody. Like, or, or they have a quarterback, and the rest of the team is just awful. Like the, the Lions. Is, is Jared Goff the answer for the Lions? I don't know. I mean, is there somebody better out there? Maybe, you know, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. Maybe the 49ers are done with Garoppolo after this year because they owe him $27 million next year. You know, there's, there's a lot of things still left to be said. But the one thing that is the constant in the NFL, well, I shouldn't say the one thing. <laughs> one, the one thing that's constant in the NFL is that quarterbacks are going to win you games. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a, you don't have a chance. 
But number two, the parity of getting into the playoffs. If if you're one of those 18 teams that's that's golfing today, not getting ready for your playoff game, you've got a one in three chance essentially of getting into the playoffs next year. 33 percent chance of getting in because you didn't just simply because you didn't make it this year because of the amount of turnover that occurs in the NFL every single year as far as postseason berths and such go. Just remarkable. Always, I'm always enamored by all that kind of stuff. So plenty of things to talk about with the NFL. We will begin our uh, playoff preview tomorrow. I'll have uh, Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray. I'll have Tyler Drake. I wish I had Kyler Murray on the show. That'd be fun. Uh, I have Tyler Drake on the show tomorrow, Cardinals insider. He'll join us at 730 to talk everything Arizona Cardinals gearing up for their big game against the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. What will the atmosphere be like? Because Matt Stafford was basically complaining after the game that they couldn't hear the, the offensive signals because the 49ers fans were so loud. So crowd noise was a problem for the Rams at home, which is disheartening if you're a Rams fan. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. It's the Jeff Dean Show here. The final segment today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And uh, if you haven't gotten your FanDuel Sportsbook app secured yet, Wild Card Weekend is about to get a whole lot wilder because FanDuel is going to be hooking up customers with 30 to 1 enhanced odds, which means you can place a $5 bet and win 150 bucks on any team to win any of the wild card games. Now, obviously, I'm a homer. I'm unabashed. I don't care. People know that I'm a 49ers fan. I'm not the only one that's picking them to win that game in Dallas. Basically, everybody's saying that 49ers are going to walk in there, win that game in Dallas. So that's where my money's going. And you can sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook today, make a cash deposit, and claim your 30-1 to enhanced odds as well. There's no better place to bet the NFL playoffs than on America's number one sportsbook. The app is super Super simple to use. They give generous promotions every day. There's safe and secure transactions with best-in-class customer service. And when you win, you get those lightning-fast payouts in less than two hours. It's uh, it's already in your account, which is awesome. And if you already have FanDuel Sportsbook, great. Go to the Refer a Friend program because that's the program where when you refer a friend to sign up, they get 50 bucks for signing up, and you get 50 bucks. A little kickback there. So refer your friend as well. And if you're a first-time user, again, use my promo code DEAN and make sure that you get that 30-to-1 enhanced odds on Wild Card Weekend coming up. $5 bet gets you 150 bucks. All you have to do is pick any team to win any one of the games. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Use my promo code DEAN and pick your Wild Card team before kickoff. 21 and over in present in Arizona. New Year's is only $10. First deposit is required. Must wager and designate offer market. Max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See terms full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. I did not fare well in my betting last night. Um, as you know, I was riding Bama really hard. I just refused to bet against Nick Saban. And as soon as Jamison Williams went out in that game, I was like, I'm toast because – they got nothing but freshman wide receivers available for Bryce Young, who's also a freshman. 
I don't care if he's a Heisman Trophy winner. You run a bunch of freshmen out there that try to have a, you know, a, a close game against one of the best defenses that we've seen in college football in quite some time, and you're going to get beat. And that's exactly what happened. They just, they, they just were not able to establish a running game, and they were definitely not able to stop Georgia, even throwing the football even. Um, so, look, good win for Georgia last night, and I broke it down, the amount of five-star and four-star players that are on those two teams, and there's a good reason why that they were in that game. Now, let's start focusing on what Arizona is doing because Arizona football right now, sitting number 22 in the country in their recruiting class, which is 51 points higher than where they were in Kevin Sumlin's final recruiting class. So this the job that has been done by Jed Fish and company, and you have to credit them all. I, I can't just give it all to the Jedi. It goes throughout that staff. It goes it, the players that have helped recruiting, the moms and the dads that have helped recruiting. Like it's been all of them that have chipped in and are tugging the rope in the same direction. Now, there is plenty of worry from some of the fans out there that bringing in Jaden Delora, the transfer from Washington State, is going to upset not only freshman incomer Noah Fafita, but also some of the quarterbacks that are currently in the quarterback room right now. And that's perfectly normal. Um, I, I, you know, I talked about it in the first hour. I don't think that Noah Fafita came here. In fact, I'm sure he didn't come here knowing that he was just going to be handed the ball on day one, given the keys to the car, and, say, you know, hey, here, you know, here you go. He came here to compete for a job. It was He was not recruited here with the ideals that he was just going to be the man from day one. You just – it, it does not get done like that. And I know people think it does, and it happens a lot less – a lot more seldomly than you think it does. Now, it certainly will change things. I'm sure that – that Noah Fafita wasn't overly, you know, overjoyed about uh, Jaden Delora coming in here because of the fact that he does have three years of eligibility left. But it's going to give him a good measuring stick to come in here, compete against. And I'll also tell you this, like, he's going to play. Like, there's not going to be – he's not just going to sit on the bench the entire season for 12 games and not get in games. Jed Fish is going to play Noah Fafita. Period. <laughs> He's, he will play games. Now, I don't, know, he'll, I don't know if he'll start. If he earns the start, then he'll earn the start. Even if he doesn't, though, he's going to play. We're going to see Noah Fafita in the Cardinal and Navy on the field next year throwing footballs, doing his thing. Like, he will play. It just may be Jaden Delora leading the offense out onto the field at the beginning of the game. But, again, we got a long way to go. Long way to go until we get there. And Jed Fish has put together quite the uh, quite the staff, and they have put together quite the roster heading into the 2022 season. Super excited. Just, you know, maybe it's just me. I think the fans are excited too. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Check out Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.